coming on in. Thank you so much for joining us for our first event of 2023. Woohoo! Wowza! Here Hello. we go. That's right. It is our first one. It is, and we got we got it in in January. This is great. Okay, I see a lot of folks coming in. Uh, well, we got a we got a good we got a good one today for you. So you're you're in for a treat because well, we got a lot topic, of um we got a lot I of our know. clients on here and friendlies, I guess I should say. Yeah. So I'm really excited and, about that. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We've been talking about this internally for a while now, so I'm excited it's starting to come to fruition. Um, so let me officially welcome everybody. Hello, thank you for joining us today. My name is Kalia Garrido. I head up events and marketing here at Great Data Minds. Um, Great Data Minds, if you haven't heard of us already, we are a collective of passionate data activists and we're on a mission to modernize the world of data. We do this in two different ways. The first is that we have a services arm that's at gdminnovationlabs.com. And this is where we run all of our strategic planning, education, and the deployment of critical data projects. And then over here on the greatdataminds.com side of the house, this is where we have our community and we have our events and we um, get great thought leaders on to keep us abreast of all of the haps in the wonderful and always changing world of data and analytics. A um, little bit of housekeeping for us today. This is a webinar, so as you can see, your cameras and microphones are off. We would love you to chat with us live. Um, we have the chat turned on. And if you prefer to wait for a more formal Q&A section towards the end of the session today, we will have that um, available and reserved as well. So a couple of introductions for my usual suspects that we see on the other <laughs> side of the line here. Um, we have Julie Burrows. Julie, of course, is our CEO here at Great Data Minds. She has built her entire career around being a champion for innovation in the data and analytics space. And Mike Lampa, he is our chief analytics officer here at GDM, and he is a true transformation agent working with enterprises to modernize their analytics programs from the ground up. And like I said, Kayla, I am excited to learn more. Oh, yes, Julie. Maybe maybe we should see if we can hire out HR Puff and stuff to host some of these or something like that, you know, Cookie Monster or something. Hey, Mike, what do oh, you think of data ops? <laughs> I'm already wearing the blue. I could like flex into that if that's what you guys wanted. We didn't talk about it, but okay. So um, in any case, today we are here to talk about behavior-driven design. Like I mentioned up front, this is something that has come up for us internally for probably about the last two months. And I am really excited that so many of you on the line are expressing an interest as well. Um, and with that, I'll let these, these folks take it away. Thank you, Kalia. Good morning, Julie Burroughs. How are you? Good morning, Mike Lamp. I'm sitting in the snow again in Denver, Colorado. All the Coloradans are moving back to where they came from, Chicago, Cincinnati, where the <laughs> gloom and the snow is, because that's what we feel like. And people are grumpy. If anyone's on the line from uh, Denver, I think there are a couple people, you know what I'm saying. People in Colorado do not like this stuff day after day after day. So how about uh, you? How, am how are you doing? doing? I'm doing pretty good. Looks like you got some new art and some flowers I got, there. I got art and I got flowers. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting cultured. <laughs> like a, Looking like good a, on you, Mike. Like a container of cottage cheese, all cultured it. <laughs> uh, so, Julie Barrow, why are we even here today? You know, well, first of all, we see it every day where, you know, it, People failed projects, failed analytics projects. The requirements aren't, you know, well vetted. Um, we actually work with one of our partners that 
quite frankly, we're very happy. They hand us a lot of business through their professional services organization, but it's all use case driven. And by the time mm -hmm. we get to the use case that they say we're going to work around, we're like, what? Mm -hmm. So um, we, we see it every day. We see it as part of the, uh, you know, percentages of failed projects and data, you know, you hear Gartner, 30%, 35% failed um, dashboard acceptance. You know, we've seen over the past couple of years as low as 21% of all dashboards are accepted by the business. Everything else is thrown out the door. Um, you know, things have to change. And we believe that part of the failed projects is the fact that in the very beginning, the proper requirements are not defined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Don't yep. you agree? I definitely agree to that. Uh, there's two things is, um, that kind of supports that is where we're, we've lost an art form for use case development. And what you and I are going to share today is let's bring that art form back. Um, and the other thing is using these techniques and principles, it's going to help us know um, that we're designing the right things. And then right. we get into development and we develop them the right way. But man, when, when, when you don't have a proper use case nailed down um, in collaboration with the, the end user, the analytic stakeholder, um, that, that's a key reason for why uh, those horrible percentages are out there around you know, lack of adoption. Yeah, we, uh, you know, uh, Kelly mentioned the last three months, I think that we really started feeling the pain about six months ago. And we went through our strategic planning and said, this is a hot area where we're seeing failure. So let's, you know, resurrect some of our um, teachings and, and education and help our community maybe get at this a little bit better. So, yep. um, yeah. Hey, Mike, you, we were talking on our, we always do a, you know, a practice call or agenda call, mm -hmm. whatever. And you were talking about a little history about, you know, behavior driven design, how we got there, you know, it maybe started over in product development. Well, yeah. Um, so our adaptation of behavior driven development, which we're calling behavior driven design, because the focus here is around the, the design elements before you go into development. Um, but behavior-driven development is a, a set of techniques and principles that was uh, developed quite a long time ago. I don't even know how long ago it was, but it's used in the software development um, industry uh, where you're actually building applications. And us data people, of course, were like, well, we do data, we don't build software. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how silly of a statement was that? You know, all of our data pipeline code that software that we're developing to get the data trend um, transformed and curated uh, to enable analytics. And then all the visualizations and machine learning models and all, all the analytic components, uh, again, that's software. So why do we think that we don't build software? And our take is uh, we do build software. We're building data products as a result of the software. That's the end product that's built and we're building analytic products, the consumption of, of the, those data products and all those products have a life cycle. So we need to adapt more and more of the software development um, uh, methodologies that have been proven for decades, including the adaptation of DevOps to data ops, the adaptation of um, data ops and DevOps for ML ops, right? Um, mm -hmm. And likewise for behavior-driven design. 
you know, it's funny, we were at a conference last year and we had like our tagline was we build data and analytics products. That was mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And we had so many people just come over and want to talk to us to say, what does that mean? And it's funny, we're seeing the um, evolution of people now talking about data products. Our customers yes. come to calls now and say, we're building our prospects or when we're trying to, you know, work with organizations to go, well, we want to build data products. And we're like, yeah, at least we don't have to get them to that, you know, right. level. So, right. Yeah. And to that point, you know, as people are starting to really take this product management mindset approach, they're starting to realize, oh, these data products have actually are generating value. Maybe we should start considering them assets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So uh, what is behavior-driven design? Um, it, it's a method for defining application functional requirements. And what we did is we adapted it to the application functional requirements for analytic applications. And the key to it is we're trying to describe the behaviors um, that we want to enable or influence from the perspective of those analytic stakeholders, the end consumers. Um, And it takes a real simple recipe. It's like given a hypothesis, when an insight is produced, then I'm going to take action. Right. And we're going to we're going to get into this a little bit more, um, but that sets the stage for what we mean by behavior driven design today. Kalia, we have a poll. We do. Yeah. So we've been um, we've been interested in this. So we would we would love you to answer this poll for us. We're talking to you folks on the line. This is our first poll and it's about using behavior driven design. So the question is, have you ever used behavior driven design to gather requirements? So go ahead and answer this one for us. And I am so fascinated to see where this comes out. Oh man, you don't, you're not letting Julie and I vote. Yeah. No, I, yeah, you guys, have a, you guys have enough opinions already. Yeah. I think we good. We'd be saying yes anyway. Yeah. I'll just go and calculate that in. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, I'll, and I'll show you all the poll when we're done here, so. Let's see, I feel like we've got a few different answers coming in. Okay, so I'm gonna end the poll and then I'm gonna share the result. And at the same time, Mike, I would love you to go ahead and click to the next um, slide. Oh, there we go. Okay. More yeses than, okay. Yep, there's just slightly more yeses. A lot of people are not sure, um, which is interesting. So we asked LinkedIn. Uh, and we got 171 people to respond to our polls that we put out on a couple different big data groups and a couple different of our own groups. Um, and this is what they said. Fascinating. Look how close these numbers are. Is that almost exactly the same amount have yes, no, or what's BDD? Like what? Not sure. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really interesting. You've got a fully mixed bag here. Yeah. I love, I love that we're seeing adoption happening, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of opportunity to improve that adoption. Yeah. Hopefully we'll influence folks uh, as a result of uh, today's little session. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And so we've got a couple more questions as we go through two more polls. Bear with me now. We wanted to make sure uh, that we knew exactly who we were talking to. So to further set the stage here, here's our second poll. On a scale of one to three, how effective is your team at gathering requirements, right? Well, you've got to assume that because you're in here, there might be a little bit of area for opportunity. If you're one of the people that's going to mark off highly effective, I don't see any of you yet, but if you do, we want to talk to you. <laughs> we see this as trouble across the board. Um, all right. Yep. Good job. Folks are coming in. And in this case, we do not 
have any kind of uh, consensus. Actually, we do have a consensus and it's in the fact that the uh, requirements are somewhat effective. Almost 86% of you are seeing that the requirements that you're gathering at your teams today are somewhat effective. Mm -hmm. Wow. You're in the right place. Wow. Yeah, you definitely are. Awesome. Yeah. Right place. Okay, right. one, one more, more question. <laughs> one more question. Let's go back. We can't okay. wait for this one. Yep. So this is the dashboard adoption, and this is what Julie was talking about at the beginning. Do you feel like the dashboards that are built at your company are adopted by the right people at your at your organization? Okay, answers are coming in. And thank you guys, by the way, for answering these yeah, polls. There are times, awesome. I have to say, there are times when Mr. Mike Lampa and I sit here and we talk to the cricket. <laughs> this is not that group today. So we yeah, appreciate you great. engaging with us. All right, I'm gonna end it so these folks can finish what they're doing and here's the results back. Hmm. Sometimes. Wow. Eight percent. Wow. And this is wow. I mean, it's what we see across the industry. Right. Mm -hmm. It's you mm -hmm. know, it supports the research. Right. Wow. Hey, Kalia, a little bit yes, of housekeeping before we go on. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not able to get to chat. So um, okay. do we want to put these questions if people have questions or want to put something out there in Q&A? Mike, I don't know if you can chat with anyone outside of Kaylee and I. Zoom has made some upgrades lately. Yeah, we all had a little um, Zoom microphone issue when we we're getting on today. So I've just put something into the chat. And yeah. cool. OK, it looks like you can talk to everyone. So. Okay, right. I, I'm limited to host and panelists, but I'll watch. Thanks. All right. Wow. So I thought we were here to talk about behavior-driven design. Julie, maybe I should explain all these precursor boxes here, huh? Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was going to ask you to explain them right yeah. here. So yes, please. So yeah, so these processes still all apply and they they generate a lot of information and they inform us before we go into behavior-driven design. So let me just step through the previous four boxes real quick. Um, the first is around establishing the canvas your, for your analytic portfolio. And we're talking about a, like a one to two year planning horizon, not much more than, than two years, um, where on behalf of the business, given the business enterprise strategic initiatives and tactical initiatives, where can analytics help enable the achievement of those, of those initiatives, right? And you define that as a portfolio canvas on behalf of the business domain leaders. And you can have multiple value streams. You could do one by uh, business domain. For, ex for example, the marketing group has a set of uh, strategic initiatives to um, increase market awareness. Sales has initiatives to increase sales volumes and, and market penetration, right? Um, how do I enable their ability to get there through analytics? And we capture those things, likewise for customer service, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so now I have a good feel for what the enterprises look, is looking to do strategically over the next 12 to 24 months. And then the business context diagram and business process model, total loss art form. People don't do this. People don't understand the business processes that we're looking to optimize. And typically that's a big part of analytics is how do we help the business leaders and the business operations people optimize the effectiveness of their processes through being informed via um, analytics, right? So 
how do I optimize a process when I can't, I don't understand the process. So driving out these process models helps us start to understand the functions that are performed, the quality checks that are, are being enforced. Um, and it also gives us a feel for the information flows between business processes, which help, um, and it helps us understand the operational systems that are used to automate those business processes. This is all critically important stuff as we move towards um, scoping out an initiative. And then the business information model, that, that's your design blueprint for the data model um, that's going to achieve all these different analytic um, requirements that are going to start to flow as continuous demand for an analytics portfolio canvas. So now I have a good feel for what we're going to do for the business, where we're going to focus, what systems are going to be involved, what data is critically important, and what processes are we looking to optimize them? And then we can move into, okay, let's scope out the first um, MVP against the first um, prioritized product release. And that's where we're going to use behavior-driven design techniques. Okay. So given that, let's move in. So BDD for analytic requirements. As I mentioned before, it, it follows that, that simple recipe of given, uh, when, and then. Uh, and we've adapted this a bit. So let me step through it. So given a particular analytic stakeholder that has a particular business hypothesis, uh, for example, if I'm in product engineering or, or pricing or um, you know, uh, product management of the goods and services that we sell to our customer, I want to grow that product um, uh, consumption. I want to grow sales of those products. Um, so that's my hypothesis. I need to grow market growth, right? Um, and I need analytic insights and predictions to be generated to help refute or support my ability to achieve that business hypothesis such that I can make an action, take action. So these, these insights can't be just a regurgitation of data. They have to prompt towards action that can be taken. And when I take that action, we're going to capture the value that should be generated as a result of that action. And it needs to be a smart objective, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant to the hypothesis itself and on some kind of targeted timely basis, quantifiable objective measures that we're going to use. This is the basis for saying we're getting a return on our analytic product. We're getting a return on our investment in the analytic um, um, portfolio, right? And then an important element. So I identify who the person is, the kind of insights that person needs to uh, have presented and the kinds of actions that they're going to take. And we're going to measure the result of those actions, right? There's telemetry that we have to build in along with uh, rolling out the analytic. So how do we know the analytic is done? Um, three elements that we've identified. First of all, is it operationalized? Did I put it into production and have I enabled the analytics stakeholder with an understanding of how to use the analytic product? And then we track, is it being utilized? And these very easy to get these statistics. Every, every BI platform has usage statistics on it that we can track. And then is it generating that expected value? Are we seeing an increase in sales volume as a result of our targeted actions that we're taking? Have we influenced um, better sales uh, making, right? And then another very important element, um, and this is... Uh, 
pretty specific to the data and analytics product development. Uh, a little bit different from software development is all around the entitlements. Do we have the right data available? Are the required sources accessible? Uh, if I'm doing um, um, machine learning based analytics, do I have ground truth? And what that means is, do I have enough observations of the thing that I'm looking do I have enough historical observations to be statistically significant so that I can use that to train my machine learning model to predict those outcomes in the future, right? Do I have enough evidence of customers churning historically so I can do the machine learning uh, training looking for the right um, um, uh, independent variables, the inputs, the combination of, of characteristics and features and actions and events that, that seem to reliably predict that a customer is going to leave us. Right? Very important. And, and how do we confirm that we have ground truth? During the requirements uh, gathering workshop where we're following this BDD technique, we have our our self-service tools available to us so we can query those sources. We can run queries to test the, the objective measure that we're looking to achieve. We can run queries to verify that we have all the, the critical data elements necessary to enable the generating generation of those insights. Next entitlement is, do, are my analytics stakeholders um, assigned and are they, are they bought in and are they going to support our development of the analytic product throughout the product development lifecycle, not at the end where we push something over the wall. It's got to be active engagement. Every two weeks, we're going to be demonstrating something is working and we need the analytic stakeholder to, to weigh in if it's uh, meeting their needs. And we also need to have access to the subject matter experts, both on the application um, system side uh, you know, that the technical team that supports the operational applications, whether it's SAP or the implementation of Salesforce or any homegrown applications, the people that really know the technical details about those application databases, as well as within the business community, the people that really know the data from a business perspective, need those people involved during, during the life cycle of the product uh, development or the MVP build out. Um, and then Given the kind of analytic insight we're looking to achieve, uh, do we have the right enabling technologies? Um, and if we don't, have we budgeted for them? Have we procured them? And are they available so the team is not waiting um, for a BI tool to be procured and Im implemented or waiting for the cloud data warehouse to be chosen, et cetera, right? And then finally, as part of making sure we operationalize the analytic properly, do we have the right education program set up to, and do we have a, a training budget defined? Is the curriculum developed and is it available for, for uh, delivery to and consumption by the, um, the targeted analytic stakeholders so that they really understand how to use not only the BI tool itself, but how to effectively use the insights that were generated to support their, their uh, business hypothesis. Mm, this is something we preach in humans all the time. We, you know, we did a poll last year where on average, I think less than 1% of the um, budgets were spent on education of their teams, which is, you know, does not lend to transformation, does not lend to happy 
folks within your organization. People mm -hmm. want and crave education. Oh, yeah. It, it, well, and I would love to get to the root cause analysis around the, those abysmal adoption numbers to find out how many of them, because I don't know how to use the darn thing. Right. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we could dig um, into that. So just a couple more things on, on the entitlements. Um, Ju Julie and I, as part of the product management mindset, that, that's a lean, agile uh, execution or operating model for running your analytics program. And one of the key things with, with within lean, one of the key principles is always assume variability and always assume you don't know everything, right? But you have to constantly do this con continuous um, exploration um, as early and as often as possible. And when it comes to the data entitlement, we need to know if we don't have the right data very, very quickly. I've been on so many projects where we're a month and a half, two months into an engagement, and we come to realize we just don't have the data, right? We need to know that within during the working sessions, right, um, of driving out the requirements. Um, one other thing I want to point out, given the analytic um, um, stakeholder or the persona role, Keep in mind, any one set of business analytics probably will have more than one analytics stakeholder taking advantage of those insights from a different context. So in, in parallel with building out these specifications using the BDD template, we also want to define who's the analytics stakeholder map because we need to know who we're going to train. We also need to know as part of our user interface design or user experience of those insights, that there, there are going to be different people using the same set of um, insights with a different context. And we need to be prepared to be able to support those uh, uh, diverse uh, needs. So we want to build this analytic stakeholder map as well. So in this case, I've got a data analyst that is constantly pulling down a market forecast and then doing a lot of analysis to see what can we do uh, on behalf of the pricing manager and product marketing manager to adjust prices on our goods and products or maybe offer up uh, an idea of, uh, around uh, different customers' propensity to buy different products and provide insights to the pricing manager on the price sensitivity. So the, that pricing manager can be informed on price change recommendations. And I also have the product marketing manager looking at the propensity to buy insights and coming up with product bundling recommendations. And then this the strategic business unit VP gets these inputs and these recommendations from those two managers and says go or no go. Right? So same set of insight and analytic being used by three different analytic stakeholders. And Julie Brows, I know you've built a bunch of these yeah, mm -hmm. stakeholder maps. <laughs> but I certainly do enjoy watching you guys do it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, that's another thing I think that is a contributing factor is, is we build a dash. I can't constraint, you know, has preconceived notions on the constraints and the content and the filtering and the sorting and the colors and a lot of form over function. Um, and we build one dashboard only to re come to realize that the one person that gave us input is not the only person that's going to use that analytics. So it's uh, real important to keep prompting who all is going to use this insight. 
All right. Enough about that. I'm curious if anybody's got some questions or observations. Yeah, this is a great time for questions and I will be happy. I'm talking to John right now. He's asking about getting a copy of these slides as a PDF. Mm -hmm. I'll be happy to send that over to everybody. Um, I'm gonna send you a follow-up um, email. So if there are any questions, please make sure that you ask them now. But in the meanwhile, I will tell you that if you've heard just enough to make you curious about how to do more of this stuff, we do have a half day virtual workshop coming up at the beginning of March. It's going to go from um, nine to 12 mountain. And this is where we're going to get into the how to of what mm -hmm. Mike is talking about. We're going to use some more practical examples, go a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a cost to that workshop, but we've created a code for you all. It's a BDD Jan, and that will get you 50% off of the ticket price. So you can attend that three-day workshop for about 25 bucks. Not bad to be able to gather some more effective requirements. I 25. think. Twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Twenty-five. Okay. So don't. Oh no, there wait. are some questions. Oh, good, good, good. Because oh, oh, I, you know, on, when no. I, I kind of wrote down some benefits that I wanted to go through and just reiterate yeah. when you yeah, guys are yeah. done because I actually stayed up last night and went through your stuff, Mike, and came back out with. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going, yeah. oh God, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear your your take on on the benefits, Julie. Okay. Um, I was just checking to see if there's any Q&A, any more Q&A we need to cover. Well, there is one right now. Oh, I yeah. like Todd. Yeah. Hey, Todd. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Wait, if you didn't like Todd, would you not answer his question? No. <laughs> she goes, oh, I like Todd. Yeah. I checked the participant <laughs> list. I like everyone on this call. Okay. So Todd is asking, Mike, um, suggestions about how to maintain the momentum after the building and launch. Um. So Todd, uh, is that maintaining momentum in the organization to keep using the technique or maintain, maintaining momentum of the ongoing effective utilization of the analytic? Um, so well, certainly we can, can we take Todd's mic off? Cause Todd usually has some good stuff to say. Yeah. He says both, but Todd, I'm about to put you on blast. Here you go. Yeah, I think the, the main question is around um, keeping the stakeholders and the various stakeholders at maximum engagement over time. Mm -hmm. I, I realize it's like any kind of relationship, it takes work, but I don't know if from your experience, you've seen particular things be more effective in maintaining that engagement. Mm -hmm. So a so, uh, couple top of mind, Things there, Todd, and and this is this is an important question because losing momentum is 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 just you know um, uh, it it if I lose momentum in the analytics program, then all that sunk cost happens, right? So uh, my one observation and point would be the way we the way we manage the analytic portfolio for. <laughs> Or to Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way we need to manage and execute within the analytics portfolio, we need to take that that lean agile uh, mindset approach. Um, when we define the analytic uh, product release, we're getting the business fired up. If you can do that, Mike, that would be really awesome. And I've had customers say, if you can pull all this off, that would be phenomenal because we've not been able to do it yet. And then you take that 
product release and you start breaking it down into minimum viable products that you're going to incrementally deliver to achieve the overall um, breadth and depth of the product, the analytic product release. And then you execute that um, in true agile format where the objectives from the product release statement from the analytic stakeholder, who is the product owner, right? Uh, gets um, laid out across the, the agile uh, sprint release schedule, right? And keep these, keep these MVPs to eight to maybe 10 weeks, right? Deliver something of viable product, um, you know, but deliver of a viable product that generates value um, and do, do uh, when you run the sprints, identify what am I going to achieve in this sprint what am I going to demonstrate as working software? We have to demonstrate some progress back to the analytic stakeholder every two weeks. That's part of your system review. You always do a system demo of what you've built. It could be you just built out the target data model. It could be you've built out the data pipeline that has populated that data model. It could be that you've built out the, the wireframe of the uh, visualization that's going to generate the insights keep the business engaged, get that critical feedback from the analytics stakeholder. Am I on the right track or do I need to pivot? That also gives you an opportunity if the analytics stakeholder says, you know what, guys, I need to pivot a little bit on this insight. I, yeah, new things have happened. And by golly, we know that is going on today, right? Um, market events, world events, things are in external influences are constantly forcing companies to be more and more agile. Our analytic development life cycle has to be right in lockstep with that. So constantly be ready to pivot or persevere, constantly be ready to tweak. And you do that by active engagement with the stakeholder so that when we get to the end of the release and we're ready to deploy it to production, the, 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 the people that are going to consume the analytics have been involved all, all along the way. And they're really excited about this, this momentum and process. Right. And I think what else is key, Mike, is an executive readout when you get to that mile, that endpoint on that MVP, because, you know, you're keeping, you know, the, the group updated and, and, you know, throughout the MVP, but taking it up and above to the management where the funding comes from and being able to say, hey, we did this, we did it in this short amount of time, we did it right and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone's interested, hit us. Uh, but, you know, delivering an executive readout and we've got a list of things that you deliver during that point. But yeah. um, it, I, I don't think people communicate out loud enough their wins and the good work they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it just lends to that, you know, data culture that is so important in these days and times. Exactly. And then at the end of that product release, um, um, during the, um, um, the uh, portfolio planning for the next product release, we always do an, a, a set of steps that's called inspect and adapt. We ask the technical team and we ask the, the business community who we're serving, what should we stop doing that was not effective? What should we start doing that we're not to be more effective and what should we stay the course on? That gives constantly, you know, that, that goes to the lean principle of continuous improvement. We're always seeking to improve because we don't ever know everything. We're gonna discover new things. We're gonna learn, we're gonna grow together. Yep. Um, you know, and adopting 
this program with VDD also, when my notes, what I put is it, it helps you deliver data innovation at scale. So you're able to, you know, do correct things, pivot and persevere quickly, but you're able to, you know, pick up that momentum and deliver more. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think the other thing that I wrote down after, um, you know, you preach us a lot in our uh, executive boot camps, and I hear you talking to our clients, um, is, uh, you know, the, the biggest, I did, some re we, did, we all did some research in the beginning of the year, and people are really trying to change the culture of their organization to be more mm -hmm. data focused. And this really lends to that happening, right? So mm -hmm. um, it, it's another uh, added plus. And we talked about um, pivot in pivot or persevere, which I love. I'm surprised mm -hmm. you didn't say minimum lovable product, <laughs> <laughs> as we hear from you every so often. Well, we, we tested that concept in the market last year, and it didn't really stick, but I, I <laughs> but we loved it. Right. And I guess the bottom line is, you know, it, it, you're building analytics products that are useful and that actually get used. Going back to the beginning of this talk where we discussed, you know, it, the low adoption rates. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw it, we've, we've, we've done mentoring. And one that always hits me, Mike, was about probably six years ago, it was the largest mentoring we did for a big, um, how should I say, telecommunications company here in town. Anyone from Denver probably knows who we're talking about, but we went in and we mentored their business groups, their IT groups, and all around this. And it really changed that culture. It really you know, allowed people to deliver things faster, all the goodness that comes of BDD and, you know, being, uh, focusing on uh, getting the right requirements. So mm -hmm. um, this is a, this is a game changer for organizations and, and it does allow for adoption to occur. Yeah, yeah, it does. And when we do that half day workshop, I'll, I'll, we'll also be talking about how do you effectively run one of these workshops? How do we, how, how do you facilitate getting the information out of the people that know it to the people that need to know it and do it effectively and make sure that everybody that's in the workshop feels their voices being heard. Um, and you run a, a nice crisp workshop where nobody's bored, everybody's totally engaged. So we'll cover some of that during that half day workshop. But that's another thing is um, that will continue to increase momentum. You've got to get your stakeholders to say, that was cool. We've not done that before. And that was really a, a cool approach to getting our requirements nailed down. And look at this end product. It's it's what I need. It's useful and it's being used. Right? And then help them market you to the other business groups. You know, Have your marketing manager talk to the sales manager, say, these guys are doing a pretty good job. I know historically... Um, IT or the data warehouse team, or whatever, hasn't met our needs, but they're turning a ship. Check it out. Yep. yep. Cool. Yeah, this is this is awesome. So just like Julie and Mike said, so like Mike said, he's referencing that half day session that we have coming up at the beginning of March. I dropped everybody a link into the chat. I'll send it in a follow up email tomorrow as well. So you have it on hand. Again, there'll be a code in there for 50% off of that $49 ticket price. Um, and then, like Julie said, we offer company specific coaching, mentoring, advising um, on workshops, how you can start customized workshops. workshops. Mm -hmm. Right. Any of the workshops that we do, this one, but really any of the things that we do at Great Data Minds, we also go into specific companies and work on that, like on site or virtually with those groups as well. Sometimes 
you just need to get the rest of the folks on your team um, jazzed up by some of the things mm -hmm. that that we that we talk about all the time. So mm -hmm. um, if if you're ever into having one of the great data minds come into your company, please do let us know. You can reply to the email that I'm going to send you tomorrow. You can always reach us at info at greatdataminds.com. We have our YouTube channel spun up and running. We have um, our LinkedIn group, which is where we're going to be pushing a lot of the conversation in the coming year. Um, so please reach out to us on all the channels. I'll send you links on everything that you might need to um, see. And we just want to thank you for being some of the folks that joined us on our first session. Appreciate yeah, thank, you. Thank you so thank much you. for joining. Yep. Yeah. Everyone Thanks, have a great Julie. Day. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.